0: Good morning, Crossroad, and uh, happy Mother's Day. Glad that we could be together once again. And I'm going to be looking at thankfulness from 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1 especially. But um, it's, I want to focus this morning on living in gratefulness and start this morning, in a sense, talking about uh, why Mother's Day started. Have you ever wondered why Americans celebrate Mother's Day? The holiday was born out of a one woman's desire to honor her mother's life of sacrifice and grace. Born in 1864 in Grafton, West Virginia, Anna Jarvis witnessed the aftermath of the Civil War through a child's eyes. Her mother, Anna Maria Reeves Jarvis, had spent the war organizing women to nurse wounded soldiers from both the North and the South. And generally attempting to hold her border state community together, right West Virginia would have been kind of divided it, I mean it pulled out as a state from Virginia itself, right remember it seceded from Virginia after Virginia seceded from the Union, uh, but it would have been divided as a state overall um, and so her, her mother, she saw attempting to heal that divide. After the war, Anna Maria started mother's friendship days to reconcile families that had been divided by the conflict, right? So this is trying to heal things after the Civil War. Throughout her life, Anna Maria modeled the ideals of Victorian motherhood. I'm not sure why they put that in there, but good to know. Uh, she gave her dreams of college Gave up her dreams of college in order to tend to an older husband and four children. She bore the loss of seven other children with grace. She taught Sunday school in a local Methodist church for 20 years and stayed active in benevolent work. In 1905, Anna Maria died. Two years later, Anna, her daughter, got the idea to found a holiday remembering her mother and all mothers, whom she felt could never be thanked enough. So in 1908, it was first celebrated in Grafton, and by 1914, the U.S. Congress officially established the second day in May as Mother's Day. So you can blame her, all all you mothers, for this. But no, but we want to, but it's just a good reminder of what Mother's Day is about, reminding us of... Uh, Just the the work, the sacrifice that goes into being a mother. Now, personally for me, I didn't realize all the the things my mother did until I watched my wife at work, right? There's so much sacrifice that goes into mothering, so much time, effort, struggle, pain. And even just the, the struggle of not, not only the struggle of sacrificial love, but also just the consistency that's required. You have to make meals every day. It doesn't stop, right? You have to, you have to make sure and, and, and think about clothes ahead of time and, and school ahead of time. And you also provide emotional support. And it seems the older they get, sometimes the more you need to give. And, and so, we come to 1 Thessalonians, if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. Paul is talking about giving thanks for people. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is Paul's model, really. He does this consistently through his letters where he thanks God for people, thanks God for knowing them, thanks, thanks God for knowing what God has done in their lives, thanks God for the work here that they have done, the, the labor of love they have shown, the, the witness of faith, the steadfastness of hope in the midst of difficulty. And, and he's thanking God for these, these people that he knows. So thanks, Thanksgiving is for people is, is a biblical thing to do. It's ironic that we're doing that Mother's Day on a day when, if you know what's going on in the headlines, right? You know that uh, the Roe versus Wade could be Wade could be overturned after you know almost fifty years, right? In in being, in a sense, the, the judicial statute of the land, so to speak. And and people are upset about that. There's, especially since there's Catholic judges, there's people going to Catholic churches and demonstrating against this idea. And of course, as Christians, we believe that abortion is the murder of an unborn child. Even scientifically, we know that you have a fetus, it turns into a baby. That's, that's what happens. And 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 it makes sense, of course, that we would be upset at injustice and murder. And at the same time, for Christians, it's more than just being upset with injustice. What I want to explore this morning in some ways is just how Thanksgiving and motherhood and just what are we saying with the two of those? Because even as it relates to abortion, as Christians, we believe not just that it's a murder of an unborn child, but there's more involved than just stopping that. It's it's more about recognizing God's mercy and grace in our lives and responding to that with thankfulness. Now, of course, other people see it differently. I, I ran across a quote from Ashley Judd talking about her mother Naomi. And she said this. She said, honor Naomi for more than her labor and sacrifice. Honor for her talents and dreams. Honor her by demanding a world where motherhood everywhere is safe, healthy, and chosen, right? Is what she said. The idea that that, that we're best off when we get to choose our own lives. And that is the way we live our world in our world today. That we're best off if we get to choose our own lives and get to choose what's best for us. And if we get that choice, then everything is good. We can be happy because we have the choice. But as we interact with God, we run into a different reality, that God often chooses for us, that he does things that we don't expect, that we don't necessarily wouldn't choose on our own. And in fact, if you get to the end of the book in First Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this, right? Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. (laughs) That's, That's a pretty broad statement, right? Give thanks in all circumstances. And so this morning, point number one is just give thanks for what you have been given. Give thanks for what you have been given. Because God works in our lives in ways that we often don't expect, and we need to understand that and, in a sense, give thanks for it. Pastor Jeff Drew is going to be here in a couple of weeks, and uh, we've been setting up his email. And so he christened his email to us by sending us his Mother's Day poem that he's going to use that he got from his pastor. And I thought it fit my point, and so I'm going to use it as well. The, the title of the poem is called Moaning. It goes this way He didn't like her pudding, he didn't like her cake. Her biscuits were too hard, not like his mother used to make. He didn't make his co- She didn't make his coffee right. He didn't like her stew. She didn't mend his socks the way his mother used to do. Then one day, when she'd had enough, his moaning all day through, she turned around and slapped him like his mother used to do. <laughs> Complaining is not what God wants from us. Complaining, as it says in Philippians, do all things without murmuring and complaining. And yet, and yet in life, God brings things into our lives that we don't necessarily like, and we're tempted to complain, right? We're tempted to moan. We're tempted to murmur, as it says in the Bible. And, and we and we get caught up in the wrong things even as parents even as a parent i this isn't just for mothers but parents or just anyone in general right when you you have people in your life that that you don't necessarily like everything about them like i don't like everything about my kids right there's just certain things that that i like like why did he get the worst of me in this area you know like why couldn't he have the best of me in this area but instead I, i'm like God you know this, this doesn't why right we 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 murmur and complain sometimes about things that that God puts in our lives for a reason, but we we wish they weren't there right like why does God do certain things? why does he have certain uh, even allowing the mistakes i 've made to then impact my children right like i don 't like that fact, and yet. God uses, it says, everything for good to those who love God, right? And so we, we, we have this tension as believers. And, and the tension is about understanding that God gives us things and we need to give thanks for them. But the real thing that we get to as Christians is not that we just need to, in a sense, gin up ourselves and, and exert our willpower and give thanks for what we have been given it's really about giving thanks because we get to know the God of all grace. And that's point number two. Give thanks for the God of of grace. You see, God gives us those things not just, in a sense, to torture us or to say, hey, you need to grow a little bit and I'm gonna put some things in your life in order to grow you a little bit more. Really, he's giving us those gifts in order that we can know him better. I just went through the Bible for a a little bit here, and I considered the mothers of the Bible. Not all the mothers of the Bible, the mothers of the Bible who say something about God, who interact with God about something in their lives. It starts with Eve, the first mother, right? She says about God that God gives her another offspring. You remember when Cain killed killed Abel, right? Right? And then she had Seth, and she says, God gave me another offspring, another one. And, and we know that that started the, this godly line that would lead ultimately in the path of resumption to the ultimate offspring, Jesus Christ, right? So in, in the midst of her life, God gave, came to her and gave her another child, we, we find Sarah talking about God as the God who brings laughter, right? She had gone months and years and decades without children. And then God brings laughter to her. Not only do we find that with Sarah, but we find it with Hagar as well. She finds the God who sees after being, in a sense, unseen. And most mothers are are afraid of being unseen. They do so many things behind the scenes, they're never seen. And yet God says to Hagar, I am the God who sees. He sees us. Jochebed She's not mentioned it as by name initially but she interacted with God as the God who brought her child back from the water. Remember? I can't keep my baby safe. I'm going to put it out on the water and God used Pharaoh's daughter to give Moses back to her. Naomi she found out a God who provided a redeemer after she had lost her husband and her sons and only had a daughter-in-law and yet she found a redeemer and grandchildren. Hannah going to God and finding a God who answers prayer, right? Saying, God, I need a son. I need a son. And God said, I will give you a son. Even Gomer, the, the, the wife of Hosea, right? Who married a prostitute she her children were called no mercy and not my people imagine having kids called that no mercy and not my people but she found a god who provided mercy and a people elizabeth married to john when she finally had john the baptist Sorry, married to Zechariah. When she finally had John the Baptist, right, she said, God is the one who takes away my reproach and shame. God is the one who takes away our reproach and shame. And of course, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? Who says, God is the God of the impossible. God is the one who steps in and makes impossible things possible. This is the God of grace. He steps into our lives and does things we don't expect that we could be tempted to complain and murmur about, but he's doing it so that we can know him, so we can see his mercy, his grace, his power, his wisdom, his his ineffableness, the the things we just can't understand. God, how can you put all this together? And yet he does. This is his grace that we can know him. And these wives and husbands, these mothers overall, show us that this God that we run into, this God we interact with, that wants to come to us in grace, and he wants us to know him, and we give thanks because we can know a God like that, right? Right? Not a God who fails us, not a God who is unmerciful, not a God who is out of control, not a God who is powerless, but a God who is powerful and wise and generous and good. And yes, it does mean going through some difficult and dark days. Yes, it does mean that sometimes we question and we wonder and we say, why But all of that is ultimately to get us to the point where we know God better. Where we can walk in His grace more. Where we can live in relationship to Him and rejoice and give thanks before Him. That's why Paul here is writing in 1 Thessalonians 1. He says, we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers. These these people in the Thessalonians were, were not his brothers, right? They were not his brothers and sisters before God's grace stepped in in the form of Jesus Christ and made them a family, made them into this, this group of people. And, and actually, the Thessalonians loved Paul and labored on his behalf and worked on his behalf and did so many good things and endured persecution. And, and he, he didn't have that until God stepped in and did something. He is the God of grace. And so point number three, we can hope in a God who brings thanksgiving out of anything. We can hope in a God who can bring bring thanksgiving out of anything. Motherhood is like that, but life is like that, isn't it? There's always something going wrong. There's always something that could be better. As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians, sorrowing yet always rejoicing, right? There's always something that's bad going on and there's always something potentially you can find that you can rejoice in as well. We, we, live, we live in a world that's falling apart. We live in a world where war is happening, where we live in a world where, where people are at odds with one another and destroy one another. Why would you want to bring another life into this world? Because we have a God who can bring thanksgiving out of anything. (laughs) And that's what we hope in. That's what we cling to. That's what we live in. This is His world, not our world. We don't make our lives out of what we want. We don't choose ultimately what we want for our lives. He has put things in our lives that we would not choose but to bring us to His grace and His mercy and that is why he ends the book right in first Thessalonians 5 by saying give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you Julie Canless tells this story she was working on her PhD she says this years ago during graduate stu- student sorry years ago during graduate studies at Regent College I had a desperate talk with Eugene Peterson about how my PhD had turned the words of God into a great research project. And if you've been in seminary, if you've done a lot of work, you realize that sometimes this just becomes a textbook that you have to master. And it goes from having life and giving you life and grace to just being something you have to memorize and work at and figure out. And that's where Julie was at. She says, I was trying to read my lifeless Bible, but I was interrupted 1,000 times by children needing to be fed, changed, read to, and more. I begged him to give me a spiritual discipline, some rope to haul me out of the hole I was in. Can you see the hole, right? This, this dark hole of, I want to get move forward with my life, but I can never do it. I can never move forward. There's too many things that interrupt my forward progress. Well, Julie, he said, is there anything you are doing in a disciplined manner already? I thought about my newborn daughter, Iona, and the hours that I spent nailed to our couch feeding her. She had reflux, and most of what went into her immediately came up again, which meant that I had to repeat the feed all over again. Nursing Iona is the only thing I can count on, I said. She makes sure of that. Can you see the... It's almost complaining, right? And that's the temptation, right? He patted my hand then like a parent consoling a dissatisfied child who was not content with their lot in life. Julie, that is your spiritual discipline. Now start paying attention to what you are already doing. Be present. In that moment, and so so many others like it, I was weakened by a very common and insidious temptation. I wanted to be for Christ instead of being in Christ. I saw my familial responsibilities as obstacles to a godly life when, in fact, they were the very place He wanted to meet me. Accordingly, I had to radically revise my view of obedience to include the simple act of abiding in Christ. I love what she says there. I saw my familial responsibilities as obstacles to a godly life when, in fact, they were the very place he wanted to meet me. And though I'm not a mother, I would echo that sentiment, right? It's often in the things that we think are obstacles where God is wanting to meet us. Eve had no child, and God met her. Sarah had no child, and God met her. Hagar had no one noticing her. Sarah, her mistress, despised her, and God saw her. Jacobed, no place to keep my child to the safest place to keep my child. Ruth, no family line. I'm bitter. There's, there's no good in my life. And God met her. Elizabeth, I'm full of shame. I I can't have a child. And God met her. God meets us in our obstacles. God meets us in our shame. And he shows himself to be gracious and good and merciful and kind, wise and powerful. What more do we want? Can we be satisfied not to be for Christ, doing everything, oh, I've got to get, get my kids out the door, and I've got to get my kids godly, I've got to do all these things. Can we just be satisfied by being in Christ, walking with Christ day by day, and letting Him do what only He can do? And so can we cultivate an attitude of gratitude, Right? of saying, in the midst of life, I don't choose everything about my life, but I have a God who wants to meet me where I'm at and show me his grace, show me his mercy. And so I can echo with Paul, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. May that be our heartbeat. And may we if we have mothers, may we remind ourselves to thank them, right? Because they, just like God himself, met us where we were at and helped us out. It showed us grace and mercy. But may we all keep our eyes fixed on that God of grace and live in Christ because he has given us grace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for your goodness to us. We're grateful for the mercy we have received from you. Lord, we acknowledge that there are things about our lives that we would not choose, that we would not make ours, and yet it is an opportunity to know you. And that is in a sense, the point of existence to to know you, to walk with you, to meet with you, to, to see who you really are and to know your grace and mercy in our lives. Help us not to forget that. We live in a world that is all about our own choices and giving us the freedom to choose what we think is best for our lives. And a lot of that is good. But if it helps us miss you if it helps us miss your grace, if it helps us miss the beauty of your mercy and grace in our lives, then we don't want it. We want to walk with you, to know your grace, to walk in your mercy, because that is where life is abundant and full. We thank you in your Son's name. Amen.